Hello listeners, uh, before we get started on this podcast today with Carlos, I am just going to call myself out on a comment that I make in the podcast that really expressed my white Australianness. and uh, rather than editing it out, I think it's more important to acknowledge it. Carlos was speaking about the richness of Mexican culture and I had said as an Australian that we admired the richness of cultures overseas coming from Australia because Australia is so new. I just want to acknowledge that, of course, Australia is not new. I was referring to my white history and not the beautiful, rich thousands of years of heritage and culture of Aboriginal culture in Australia. So I just wanted to call myself out on that. Unfortunately, as an Australian, we were not educated very well on Aboriginal history, culture, heritage, and our part in a larger picture and it's something that Australia is really still only coming to terms with. So I just wanted to call myself out on that situation and acknowledge the fact that I made that gaffe. So when you hear about it and you hear that comment, you don't don't hate me for it, I hope, and uh, I acknowledge my ignorance on that subject. Thank you. can't tell me that I'm just a product designer, but you can't tell me I'm just a video designer. And it's basically because I've said yes. For me, those little details are what makes you a, a better designer, not necessarily a great designer, but a better designer. It doesn't work. You didn't. You, you worked six months. It doesn't work. <laughs> we have to cut it because the show. The show is tomorrow, <laughs> so it's cut. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then your heart breaks a little. Welcome to the Theater Art Live podcast. And hello, we're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe: the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Aguilera, and my name is Anna Rob. On this episode, we'll be talking to Carlos Navarrete Patino about designing for live entertainment. Carlos is a production and costume designer and most recently a creative director. He considers himself creative by nature and designer by trade, with designs for more than 54 productions of theater, dance, parades, ceremonies, theme parks, and live events around the world. His work showcases the creative direction of multiple visual aspects of a performance, combining set, wardrobe, lighting, props, video content, and puppetry. He leads CN Production Design Studio, which has offices in Montreal and Mexico City. Welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me, guys. This is, it, it's an honor for me. Wonderful. Should we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. About myself, it is, it is a crazy story because... I've always said that I, I am a, f a firm believer of Mark Twain's quote of find a job that you're good at and you will always, you won't have to find a job every, in, in, like forever, right? For me as well, it's, uh, it's, it's about synchronicity. I've been at the right place at the right time. I absolutely say that all the time just because I've never, let's say I'm a costume designer now, but I, I, I never went to school for it. But because one day I was creating a prop that, needed a costume, I started doing costumes because I lift my hand up and said, hey, I can do that costume. And all of a sudden it started, it, it, it's, it's like a snowball, right? My dad is French. My mom is Mexican. We've always lived in Mexico City. 
So as you know, it's it's very traditional Catholic family. Then I decide to go uh, to a boarding school in the States because, of course, I was being very creative and, and there was something weird with me. There was I knew there was something weird with me because as, as, as a little kid, I was like every other theater kid out there. I was doing dancing and I was writing my own plays uh, to the demise of all of my cousins that hated coming for Christmas or New Year's because they knew they were going to receive a beautifully printed and written on on a typewriter, you know, like a, a fantastic sort of binder with their costumes, with their makeup, with everything, and they will have to put on a show, and they would hate me forever and ever. After that, my dad said, "Well, why don't you use a camera?" So I got like an eight millimeter camera, and I became doing little films and uh, doing all the characters and all of that stuff. So. My dad and my mom were, I mean, they've always, they've always loved this side of me, but, you know, they were like, yeah, this is not the country for you. This is a, they, you're not getting the education you, you sort of uh, want to uh, get. So they sent me off to boarding school in the States, to a fantastic boarding school, uh, Cranbrook Kingswood, where basically the, basis, the, the, the base of the curriculum is arts. It's arts, it's theater, it's fine arts, uh, even, I mean, I was able to do weaving. I mean, what kid of 16 years old is weaving on a, a proper loom? That was me. So I started getting really into theater. And of course, I thought I was going to be a director. And, um, and then uh, and I said, yeah, I'm going to be a director. And I'm never going to act because I, I don't like being an actor. I really don't like to be on that side of the camera or on that side of the stage. But I was going to be a director, and I know I'm bossy. I'm very, I'm a very bossy person. Then after that, I said, "Well, I went to NYU, studied theater, theater design." But then I said, "Nope." One day, I started. I, I went back to get all my videos and all my my old cameras, and I said, "Maybe I can do directing for film." So my parents were like, "What? So you don't want to have a fantastic career in theater? Why now cinema?" I'm like well, because cinema is a new thing. So I think I have to go and do that. So I was still looking. I was still wondering what I could do. So I went to London Film University knowing that I was going to be a film director. Like I, I was going to be like Robert Rodriguez and, and I was going to write my own films and I was doing little animations here and there. So I went to, to London Film School and of course I started going, I, was, I started doing the same thing that I was doing before. I was starting to do I was going to do the sets. I was going to do the costumes because nobody really wanted to do it. And because I, re I'm, I was really good at it. So I said, okay, so who's going to take the production designer role? Because the London Film School is all about that is everybody sort of changes roles. And I would always take the production designer. And I was, I was doing the props and I was doing the, 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 some of the costumes. And I said to myself, well, maybe this is it. Maybe it's production design for film and television, of course. I'm a production, for, uh, and then I, I did my master's in uh, uh, film production, but based on production design for film and television, because that's where the great artists are making money. That's what I thought, uh, film and television. It sounded really cool. And I started doing internships at the BBC and, and at Pinewood Studios, and it was, it was great. And I thought it was, that was it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm heading that way. But then, of course, on a, in a summer, 
they needed I, I, friends of mine from Mexico that always followed my career and were now working at fine arts at the uh, at the Bellas Artes and and now they were they were creating shows in Mexico. Uh, they called me up one a really really good friend of mine and said, "Hey, would you like to do? I'm going to work in a carnival in Veracruz." And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, Veracruz, that sounds cool. And um, what are you going to do? She's like, I'm going to do the, the design of the parade. And um, they, they, I think they need designers to, to, to just build floats. I'm like, floats? Okay, floats for a parade. I'm like, okay, this, this, this could be cool. <laughs> this is but, a new thing. But again, uh, I said yes. You know, I've always said yes to anything. And that led me to designing. I was... I mean, I was like 23 years old and I was designing floats for a parade, you know, for all these girls to get up there and the queen. And I mean, if you if you Google uh, Veracruz spring parade, you know, what they called Carnaval, mm. it's one of the biggest ones in Latin America after Brazil. And and the, the queen is like a national treasure. And then the princesses are national treasures. And, and it's like a two-month kind of deal. It's, it's a big thing. So it was floats. And I'm like, okay, okay, so floats. But then, of course, my parents were like, what? Now you're doing floats? But we paid all the, uh, we paid theater school. Then we paid <laughs> film school. And now you're doing floats in Mexico City. Why, 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 why? <laughs> but that opened a little door of somebody need then I went back to London I finished my masters and somebody called me up to say okay so Rick Birch the original master of ceremonies partner up with with film master and at that time it was Marco Balic at film master and all of a sudden they said to me they are looking for designers for their parade of the bicentennial parade in Mexico City are you interested I'm like Okay, I do these little parades in in Veracruz, so okay. So I moved back to Mexico City, and I had a meeting with them, and then I started designing floats for Mexico's bicentennial. And for and this is where I'm. I say I've been very lucky in the synchronicity, and and this is why I have it tattooed on my arm. I've been at the right place at the right time, and all of a sudden, my first and I can say, 2009 was the moment that started my career because it was the first day that I arrived in a room with Rick Birch and Marco Balic. And from there on, skyrocket to, okay, so now we have the Pan Am Games in Guadalajara. So now we have the Invictus Games in London. So now we have ceremonies all over the world. And I started doing not only floats, but then I started applying all the theater design work and, and started creating sets and the protocol stage in this stage and all of that kind of stuff to the point that I was, of course, doing now props for that. Oh, Carla, who can, again, I've always been the guy in the bag that says, somebody asks, who can do those props? And I'm like, I can do it. You know, I, I can design them. Why not? It's 5,000 LED hats that will have to light up at the, at the queue of uh, go, one, two, three, go. And I would love that. So I would go back to, to the workshop. And that's how I started creating. Because of all these people that I would get to know throughout my career, I, I created a workshop of, of all these crazy people, the costume makers and, and prop makers and stage makers. And we started, started putting together a team that will tackle these situations. I will go out there, start designing, and then come back to them and say, okay, so now Scott Givens 
is asking me to do a prop for blah, 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 blah. How can we do this? And it's for a ceremony in Turkmenistan. And all of a sudden, we just need 5,000 of them. How do we do that? So I, I kept on saying yes to all of this. And of course, props becomes a weird thing because all of a sudden, you need to put it somewhere. And of course, now you have to speak to all these fantastic costume designers from all over the world that will say to you, who are you? You are only 27. You don't know nothing. Costumes take a very long time to do the conception and the design. And, and you want us to put a, a, your prop in one in a pocket? Never. So I'm like, okay, I'll design that costume. And I started designing costumes. And seven years later, people call me more for costume design than props. So again, Carlos is in a situation of like, and then of course my mom goes, and let me, okay, let me guess. So now you're doing costumes. We thought it was theater. We thought it was cinema. We thought it was production design. We thought it was props. We thought it was floats. And now you're doing costumes. Madam, I am. So again, it started like that. And of course, now that you do stages, all of a sudden, we are, the beautiful thing called video mapping started evolving. And then you started saying, okay, now as a designer, I have to learn something about projection because if I'm designing a white stage, all of a sudden I have to add texture to it in video. And at that point, I was, wasn't really liking the video people. I was like, you could be doing so much beautiful stuff. Like you could be like building fantastic particles that would go to the other end of the stage. And of course, I started doing video because I would say, yes, can I do the video? Of course. So I started doing video for the Invictus games and one thing leads to another and I fall into Cirque's hands. And then I was designing the new show in China, which was, we opened last year. So all of a sudden, again, my mom calls me and says, so now you're doing video? So now my mom usually calls me up and says, okay, from this show, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching on TV. I'm watching on TV. Tell me, what did you do? Because she, she doesn't know what I do anymore. She, she's like, but you do video, but you do props, but you do costumes. And I'm like, mom, yes, look at the picture on the TV. I did everything. <laughs> but no, not really. Uh, but and now the story continues. And now that I've worked a lot more with actors and, and acrobats, especially acrobats, which now I have a passion for circus. Uh, I always wanted to work for Cirque du Soleil. I applied like three times throughout my career. You know, after, I remember I applied after working in Veracruz in my little floats. And then I applied again uh, after working with Marco Balic in the Bicentennial. And then I applied again after Invictus Games. I never, get in, I never got in, no props, no costumes, nada. It was only until China that it was video. And now uh, one of the... Directors of creation, as they call them at Cirque, as you guys know, like the, the, the directeur de création, which is this, this omnipresent, fantastic character within a creation of a Cirque show. Uh, there's not necessarily the director. I met uh, Lynn Tremblay, fantastic woman that's done Sarcana, and, and she used to work with, with Franco. And so she's the one that now, literally a year ago, she said to me, well, you seem to have a lot of opinions on how the show should be. Uh, we are looking for the director. So you, we know that you're already the designer, but do you want to direct? And I said, dun, dun, dun. And of course, Carlos is starting to, to direct his first circus shows for, for P&O Cruises in, hopefully we'll start again soon. But 
now I'm directing acrobats at the same time I get to dress them at the same time I get to do the stage. And I know it sounds very greedy in that way, but it's, I think I've gone full circle. I'm like, you, you can't tell me that I'm just a prop designer or you can't tell me I'm just a video designer. And it's basically because I've said yes. I've, said, I've always said yes. Hey, can you do the Formula One? Can you direct? I'm like, yes, I can do it. I go home and I cry because I'm, 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 I'm very, very scared. And I, <laughs> as well, I, every time I get a new job, I, I say, this is the, the, you know, that failure that we always, everybody feels that this is the show that somebody's going to realize that I don't know how to do this. You know, that's, that's my fear in the whole wide world is this is the show. So now in the P&O shows, uh, I go home and I go, okay, so you, you've never trained as a director. You've read all the books. Uh, you've worked with fantastic directors. I've called them to ask them for advice. This is when you die. This is when your career is going to be over. This is it. This is it. This is it. And hey, I'm, we're working at it. I'm, I, I, I'm not perfect, but as, just as I say, there's costume designers that are amazing, fantastic designers that, that, that are so much better than me, but and I just, I can just learn. So that's, that's, that, that's my career. That's Carlos in a nutshell is I've started in somewhere that I thought I was going straight at and I've always gone the opposite way and I'm here. And you embrace the opportunities that have come your I way. I always <laughs> embrace the opportunities. I never say no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm scared. Every single new show I do, I, I, I'm so scared. Because as I say, I'm scared of failure and I'm scared of, you've never done this. You, you've, never, you, you've never done video. What do you mean now all of a sudden you did three little shows and all of a sudden Cirque wants you to do the video for the biggest show they've got in the world that has 365 rotating seats and there's video everywhere. Video is actually the driving force of the entire show. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's... That's it. But it's the same feeling that I had in the bicentennial. It's like, you're just 25. And now all of a sudden you have to dress and you have to design floats for Marco Bellich in Filmmaster. You've, you've applied yourself through like props and costume and video and stuff. Is there, a, is there a design process that applies to all of those things? Like how do you approach a design of, of all of the things that you, you work on? Is there a methodology behind what you or how you approach a project? <sighs> I want to say yes, and I want to sound very convincing and very professional, but I don't. I really don't. To me, I'm very practical. And a lot of people know me because they know I work with a budget. I am not a, I don't tell me to go out there and design and come up with beautiful ideas that later on will not be able to, we won't be able to afford. So for me, I am practical and I say, okay, you want me to design your costumes? How much money you've got? How many do? How many people do we have to dress? Da, 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 da. And I will make. And for me, it's I start with an Excel sheet. I re, I'm not. Oh yeah, get your iPad, get your paper, start designing. Things will flourish. No, I, my assistant and I, we basically start with a spreadsheet of. Okay, so this costume, we know that it's three principal characters and it has to cost $1,000. So let's be realistic. Let's start there. Then that's when the design starts for me because I don't start the other way around. I'm, I, I can't. I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to be this beautifully creative person that just opens a notebook and starts drawing. My drawings are not that great either. 
I mean, they're they're cool, but some people are amazing at, at at designing costumes just by hand. I mean, look at all the beautiful stuff that Stuffish creates. You know, I can I can never compare myself to Stuffish sets. The degree of how they design things, it's it's a completely different story with me. It's a little bit more organic, but it's it's it has a, a structure with in, in the production sense. Once that happens, and I know exactly how. I am going to build these characters or how I'm going to design them. Then I start drawing and saying, okay, I put on some music because I'm, I'm a musical person and it's, it's about it's sprinkling that bit of, of magic over everything and researching. I love research. Keith Davenport, if you all know him, he always says that he likes me because I bring way more research than anybody expects. I, I, I'm like, well, did you know that the pattern that we are about to use was used in 1922? But And they're like, we don't care. It looks fantastic. It's great. Great that you have all that information. Save it for the B-roll of, of, of the ceremony. But fantastic. But I... I I love that. I love research. And as a director now, I think research is the most important thing because if you haven't done your research and, and you, you don't know where things are coming from, then it's, it's, it's phony. For costumes as well, if you don't do your research, you might offend some people sometimes, especially in ceremonies. You cannot come in and say, I am the designer and I'm going to do the costumes and this is how it's going to be. Nah. People might not respect your work later on and you might burn your career really quickly. For video in China, if if we hadn't researched, and uh, in, in, you know China, sometimes, hey, I made a really terrible mistake once because I like this little beautiful symbol and I was putting that symbol everywhere because it was beautiful. And um, nobody caught it till probably like two, three weeks prior to, before the, the opening. And somebody said, some uh, one of the interns in, in China said, why is the, the, the symbol of blessed wedding in your design? I'm like, what? which one? Oh, the one that's up in the column over there and the other column. And I'm like, well, it's, it's a beautiful, I, I thought, you know, it's like those Chinese uh, tattoos that people get. I'm like, well, it, it, apparently it said uh, paradise. And I mean, it's the life, the, it, it is the kingdom of fantasy, as they call it. And, and she's like, no, that's uh, the way, blessed wedding. A symbol. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, I could ruin my career right there because I can feel Danielle Amel calling me the next day and saying, why is the governor or why, you know, the the chairman of the enterprise calling me and saying that why do I have blessed wedding symbol up in the screen? Yes, never, never trust. You got to ask, always ask a local with Chinese, Chinese symbols. Always ask a local. <laughs> I want, I, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, ask the locals and do your research. So research and the structure with the budget and in, in the production structure, then that's when I approach design. That's, that's, that's how I do it. Do you feel there's a difference between doing a one-off show or a ceremony or a float for a parade that's going to be there once or a show that's going to be there for a long time, like hang show? Like a resident show. Yes. There is a difference because remember, blessed are ceremonies that we do everything with uh, gaffer tape and some staples, you know, because it's one night only, you know, like that song, one night only, one night only. I mean, I've got volunteers that basically ripped their costume a night before, but we're like, girl, don't worry. We're just going to snap it really quickly with some staples, a little bit of gaffer tape, and nobody will notice. That's fantastic in live events, but in, in a resident show, it's... 
it's it's all about budget and again it, this is when you start realizing okay this has to last at least three months before they actually somebody has to fix it then it's going to have to last like probably about three years because the headpiece we don't have money for seven headpieces so it's only one so it has to be built completely different so the approach on production is completely different for me I like the ephemeral. I like whatever finishes tomorrow and, and you had one opportunity to watch it because then that makes my job three times harder in trying to create that picture in, in just that moment. You know, it's like, oh, you missed it. It was a 30 seconds where 5,000 LED hats came out and they spelled China or they spelled peace, you know, and you get that segment of the ceremony and, and people go, that was the best part of the ceremony because the wings came out and you're like, well, these wings uh, were made out of trash bins and they look fantastic, but I had to throw them away literally after the show. The other way is there is more, there's more work involved into that. There's and again, I, I love both. I love more the, the live events just because of, of the adrenaline and in that rush. The resident shows for me are a little bit harder because that means there's a, a, a little bit more commitment in how much time, because nobody tells you this when you're working, when when you're starting, nobody tells you that you might have to leave home for a stretch of six, eight months, nine months to put together a show like the one in China. I said I was never going to do that, but then all of a sudden China came, Cirque came, and that was an ego trip for me. And all of a sudden we had to move to China for nine months. And you go, ah, I didn't think this through. I have a family and my family and my house and my home and everything back in Montreal. How am I going to leave for nine months? So sometimes residency shows, I'm not 100%. I don't want to travel anymore. And that's, that's a compromise here and there that you have to do. But it's more related to production. And what is it like, you know, in terms of working in country to country, Russia, Mexico, China, how do you, is it, is it harder in some places, easier in others? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, China's a hard place to work, you know, and, and cult, cultural difference, cultural differences are such a, play is such a huge factor in a production process, don't you agree? Yes. It, it's also, it also depends on what the team is, like the core team is. I don't know if you know this, but like in, in a lot of ceremonies and a lot of these big companies that we all work for, there's a lot of Mexicans. It's crazy. Uh, the stage managers, from the stage managers all the way to costumes and props, and there's a lot of Mexicans. So, so wherever there's a Mexican team hanging around, I love it because I know that I'm going to be protected in a way that they will probably think like me. You know, For me, the, the hardest part of working in different countries is we all have a, a method of working that is completely different. So Mexicans will say, yeah, uh, we'll work from 6 a.m. to uh, 6 a.m. of the next day. It doesn't matter because we, 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 we're, we're going to work for it. And, and, but then, then you realize, oh, the Americans are leaving at 6 p.m. Why are they leaving at 6 p.m.? We still have a whole show to do. And, but the Americans are leaving at 6 p.m. because they want to go home and they want to have a life. And you're like, okay, so that's how it is. And then the Chinese come and then... You have to explain things to them and they at the end of the day they'll do whatever they want because that's 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 how sometimes they work. They they get the information, but then they rework it to make it possible as they think they make it possible. So it's it's really navigating it's a cultural thing. You speak to Australians and Australians are, are go are get goers. I mean, you you know, it's they they're they're like straight to the point. Let's not waste time. This is how it is. Oh, it doesn't work. Cut it. 
And you're like, no. And then the Mexicans are like, no, but we're going to try to make it work. This inflatable that it's going to turn into a dragon. Nope. I mean, I, every stage manager that I've worked for uh, in, in producer in, in Australia, they're like, nope. It doesn't work. You didn't. You, you worked six months. It doesn't work. <laughs> we have to cut it because the show the show is tomorrow, <laughs> so it's cut. And you're like, oh, okay. And then your heart breaks a little. The British ones. Then you go to London, and then all of a sudden, it's it's like, oh, we don't even have money for the for for the dragon. So why are you even worried about the dragon? It's just going to be a literary thing that we're going to express with dance. And you're like, oh, okay. So it's it is like that. It's it's. You just have to adapt, but you also have to be very intelligent of who you bring with. Never go into any of these productions by yourself. Always bring your team that you trust. Uh, I always try and bring my Mexican team and my Montreal team. The little that I can bring, just because I know that one way or another will be will make it work. Uh, whether it's in China, whether it's in London, whether it's in Sochi. Sochi was another story for everybody involved. So yeah, it's... <laughs> It's it's different. I'm saying it's different, but at the same time, it's all the same. I mean, we all work the same way. We all are, it, it, it's ruled by the same rules. There's no good. There's no bad. It's it's work, and that's something that that we love it. It's part of the process. It's part of the process. That's it. That's it. That's it. You can't say, hey, it's it's easier in Russia. No, it's not. It's easier in Mexico. No, it's not because at the end of the day, there's no there's not a lot of money, and there's Things are going to cost you way more in Russia, but you'll have thousands of volunteers. You might not have volunteers in Mexico because they have to work, but all of a sudden you go to China and you get 6,000 volunteers. But 6,000 volunteers comes with a budget for 6,000 volunteers. So it's about adapting and understanding the differences. That's it. You've mentioned two things that ring very familiar to me. One is working off a budget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, when I was in art school, I was like, okay, I have to do this project have this much money okay let's work with that that's, it. that's what i got <laughs> so i feel like that's at least it rings very true to me as a part of my culture as a mexican but also you've mentioned that you find yourself that you work you understand how mexicans work mm. so to speak and i also going through your work see there's a lot of vibrant colors and like all this oh, nice yes. mexican iconography so yes. Like, do you feel like you really pull back to your roots or to your Mexican tradition? Listen, I was one of those Mexicans. When I was 14 and I went to, to the States for boarding school, I was ashamed of being Mexican. I was, I was completely ashamed. So I would, and this is why also I started working on my English and my accent and how I, I was going to become, like how I was going to uh, uh, mimic, you know, the way they spoke and the way they act. And, and this is why now all of a sudden the way I speak is very weird. People don't know if I'm from South Africa or, or where, where are you from again? Because I sound like this because I've, I've, I've shaped it in such a way. I, I never wanted people to know that I was Mexican just because of that. And, and I was, I am blessed enough to, you know, have a white skin from, from my parents and, and at least, uh, green eyes so okay so he doesn't look that mexican you know he, he can be he can be italian and i would and they'll say are you italian yes 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 i'm italian yes why not but i didn't understand i didn't understand the importance of being mexican and 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 then as i grew older and as i went to veracruz and i started and i came back home i would just come back home to work let's say 
And I started learning. And, and for me, the bicentennial was the moment when I said, wow, I live in, in a fantastic country. And I've traveled India and I've traveled all these different beautiful places and I worked. But when I come to Mexico, it's not the Frida Kahlo's that we see in, in the patterns of, of, of the sugar skulls and all of that. For me, it's more about the textures, the patterns, the colors. We are a very rich country. And when I started learning why we are how we are and how chaotic Mexicans are, but and we start understanding of, I started working with a lot of artisans. Every country has their own artisans and their own folklore, but in Mexico, the how the like how the necessity of the embroidery then the importance of the embroidery and the beadwork and all of that kind of stuff for me was like an eye opener and it it took an australian and an italian to teach me that you know uh it was it, it, again it was I was I was plastering Mexican iconography in every single float in every prop because it was the bicentennial of Mexico. But it took Marco Valich to really sit me down and say, "Okay, why is this important?" Uh, and I was like, "What do you mean? You're Italian? You don't know? I mean, Mexico is all about the the the, the red, white, and, and, and green." And he's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Mexico is about Rosa Mexicano, you know, the, the fuchsia, the Mexican fuchsia. And I said, yeah, there's a whole segment that we're going to do all pink. And he's like, yeah, but why? And I was like, oh, what do you mean why? Because I'm Mexican. <laughs> that means nothing to us. And as a designer, you'll be rubbish if you do that. So then I started learning of why, why that shade of pink is so important to Mexicans. Why is that shade of pink so important to, what's so important to Frida Kahlo? Why the marigold yellow of the Cempasuchil? how the red was created in the old pre-Hispanic era of the cochinilla, you know, of the beetles that they will, they will get the red dye of. So then it started opening and I started, and I started becoming really, really, and again, my mom was an anthropologist. So I grew up with the pyramids and all that stuff. And for me, it was, I was, I was ashamed, but then I started learning. I was ashamed. Yeah. And you, you're shaking your head Anna, and I'm like, yeah, it was. No, but I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I think, you know, what is the, the depth and the richness and the vibrancy of a culture that you have. Mm. And it's, it's fascinating for me to see that you didn't acknowledge that. I didn't. And coming from Australia, you know, we are such a young country. And so when we yeah. go to travel to places like that, we see that because we don't have that in our own country. There's a beauty, there's a beauty about Australia because it's, it's open and it's fresh and it feels new and there's opportunity there, yeah. but it doesn't have that richness. And that's why we love to tour Europe and see all these old churches and the cobblestones mm -hmm. and go to places like South America and see all that history. And that's why we, we adore it. And for you to say that you didn't even acknowledge it, it's just amazing for me to oh. see. And, and, oh. and I think it's wonderful now that you've, you know, that you started to learn in the layer because a lot of the times I feel like, yeah, people do try to give up their, their identity to fit into other places, but it's really it. the celebration of who you are and the richness of culture is what makes you unique and, and what that's it. skills that you bring to the table. Once I realized I was gay and I was Mexican, my whole world sort of blossomed, you know, because then I was able, and then, and also once I understood that it's okay to not do theater, oh, but you went to school for that. It's okay. It's okay to not be working for film and television because you went to this fantastic school. It's okay. It's okay that now you're doing costumes and it's okay that now you're doing video. Because at the end of the day, everything you did 
brought you to this very day. And then as I blossomed, in, as I say, my gayness, uh, if that's such a word, I, I love it because, of course, all my assistants nowadays will say, hey, we have the samples, but we know which ones you will like. So we're just going to show you those because the rest is just a waste of time. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 show me the other ones. And of course, I pick out the fuchsias, the, the very vibrant colors. And again, it goes back to, to Anna's, your, your question. Yes, I try to make it as vibrant and as lively and as emotional. And we live in a world that is gray, gray, dull, dull, dull. And for me to, to be able to showcase, and I have to be careful because sometimes I am too Mexican now. And, and even in China, I was using some really crazy colors. And, and some of my Chinese peers said, we don't use that color here. You know, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I have to remove my glasses. My glasses. <laughs> pull it back a bit. Pull it back. You pull it back <laughs> a bit, of course. The Invictus Games as well. Like, I remember the producers saying, yeah, but we're not going to put flowers around it. I'm like, really? It will look fantastic with, like, these, like, lilies all around. They're like, no. <laughs> but, but that's Carlos. It's like, he's, he wants to put a huge, you know, bridge of flowers just because. Because again, because again, yeah, the brilliance is in the detail. And most of my costumes and the stages, I know, and again, this is why uh, stage managers hate me uh, and I live in constant battle with them. Uh, Of course, I love them. And directors uh, uh, hate me because I'm like, yeah, 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 but wait, 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 we still need to do an extra code with with, that has the, the, the embroidery above and the. They're like, yeah, but you won't see that. It's seriously, the, the segment is three seconds and thousands of people are going to run through the corridor. And I'm like, yeah, but I'll know. And whoever's watching and whoever looks at it and understands, they'll understand the detail. So I tried to add a lot of detail up for the Day of the Dead. Um, when I started doing the Day of the Dead in Mexico, the parade, I started as a designer. And then the last three years I, I directed it, it was, it was like that. It was, I don't care that people are not seeing the details of the embroidery under the, the neck because the mask is on top of it and the neck you really don't see. But I, I'm like, yeah, but the volunteers know that they're actually, they, they start learning. And when they take off their mask and they see the little embroidery in their color, they go, oh, that's neat. What is it? And then, then of course, Carlos comes over and says, well, did you know that that embroidery is part of the Mexican heritage of the states of Oaxaca? So that's the kind of stuff that I, I, I'm a nerd about. And, and for me, those little details are what makes you a, a better designer, not necessarily a great designer, but a better designer, because it's, again, it's that research that you've done is, is, is showcasing the beauty of, of the world itself, of what's out there. And I'm, I'm not taking credit for anything. I think this is the kind of designer that I am. I'm not a designer that creates out of nothing. I am a designer that puts together things and makes it look fantastic. There's beautiful designers and architects that build beautiful things out of nothing. Seriously, you're like, wow, this is great stuff. But for me, it's more like, how can I put together this and that and put it all together to create something new? I think that's me. And now I put a little bit of my folklore, yes, because I love my country. And every time I, I, I get to go back uh, and learn a little bit more and, and get more colors. And if, if you walk around my house, you will see that I have tapestries and I, like my house looks like a, like a museum. We have a, a folkloric uh, a store in Mexico City that, that whenever you want to buy arts and crafts, you know, you know that you go there. 
So I always say that my house is is like that. It's 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 like El Fonart. It's a store of the Fonart because my house is like that. It's full of toys. It's Mexican toys. People now give me Mexican toys or toys from around the world because they know I collect them. And my house is full of toys. And my house is full of color. And uh, to the point that my husband said to me, I think we have to paint the house white because there's a lot of color. I'm like, no, but we should, we should use wallpaper. Look at the wall. Look at the texture. No, let's just, let's just paint the whole house white. And my whole house is white. But of course, every single wall has some tapestry or some painting or something like that. And from my, in China as well, now that I lived nine months in China, imagine my suitcases coming back. <laughs> uh, Russia, the same thing. So yeah, I like patterns. <laughs> What other influences would you say you have besides your Mexican heritage and folklore? Because basically I had to learn a lot of this by myself, you know, like I did, I didn't go to costume. I didn't, I, I didn't do costume. I didn't do wardrobe. So you start to understand, you start going, Oh, how am I going to design this? You start researching. And for me, the, the, I, I love books as we all do. Uh, but I think I've spent more money in books than anybody else in this entire world, uh, especially the very thick, tashin, very expensive books. And that's part of the research maniac that I am. And my influences come basically from, I can name everybody, Capucci, uh, uh, Pierre-Angile, anybody that can create a little, a little universe out of nothing, for me, is fantastic. Or that can wrap things like crystal, you know, let's, hey, why not? Big tons of fabric and wrap our, wrap our building. I love it. But to be honest, uh, my influences are from the people I work with, mainly lighting designers. That's something that I haven't really done, lighting design. But for me, you're a nobody as a designer. If you don't have a relationship with a lighting designer, that will basically be that spark of life that will light up anything you do. You know, it's like the it's alive kind of Frankenstein kind of thing. That's the lighting designer. That's why they're jackasses as they are, because they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, and they can, they can just be obnoxious and rush you out of the stage because you're, you're in the light. And you're like, what do you mean? I have to build the set. Yeah, but you're in, you're in the shadow that I'm creating. And you're like, oh, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm going to move a little bit to the right. And again, guys, I, I cannot stress this enough. I've been a very, very lucky person. And I've worked with some of the world's most amazing lighting designers and most amazing directors, but mainly because I was at the right place at the right time. And Ivo Quant, for me, if you don't know, you don't know him. He's he's. I mean, he's created some of the most beautiful lighting for for Cirque du Soleil. I mean, love. He's now the creative director for Celine Dion, and he was the lighting designer for Celine Dion for many years. And he's created iconic elements, and the ceremonies that he creates are absolutely beautiful. So for me, hey even technical directors, you're also not a production designer if you don't click with a technical director. The technical director is there to actually make it possible for your stage to be there. So I have four or five technical directors that I've always worked with, and it's them that say, this is not going to work. This is going to work. Again, Carlos starts designing a stage with a spreadsheet that says, Okay, so I have three niches here and five niches here, and it's going to have to cost this, okay? And then I speak to the technical director, and they're the ones who say, listen, 
the production needs this, 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 this. Don't go crazy. We don't have money for a fantastic, beautiful, like a stage piece that comes in and opens the wings like everybody had in, in Russia. This is not Russia. This is not Sochi where there's money galore. No. So again, the influences in my work, it's more, it's more practical. It's what's going to work. And it's, it's how I work with the people that I know that I'm blessed to work with and what they're, how they can influence my work and saying, this is going to work. This is not, don't go there. Just call your friends, man. Like this ego trip of you're going to do it by yourself. It's never going to work. Call your friends, call the people, you know, and show your work and say, Hey, am I doing the right thing? If not, you start going into your ego trip and say, okay, I'm going to fail this time. (laughs) (laughs) What do you like um, most about your job? And is there a particular moment in the process that you find most satisfying as as you deliver a project? Volunteers. For live events, I mean, I think you've gotten to know me a little bit. And I am one of those ceremony brats that absolutely loves uh, ceremonies. And we know them. We all know what a ceremony brat looks like. I love it because for me, it's... It's changing the life of, first of all, it's showcasing a country or showcasing a city. And, and that's amazing because, again, it goes back to research. It goes back to uh, showcasing the, the details in, of, of the tapestry that a country or a city can be. But also working with the locals. And, and as we all know, and a lot of people might not know this, but all these big ceremonies, all these big shows, we work with volunteers. Volunteers that take off a chunk of their day and let's say they went to school from 7 to, to 2 p.m. And then after that, they're going to rehearsals for something that they're not going to get paid because they're doing it volunteering. And then it, they're going to do that for three, four, five weeks. And then they're preparing a show for one day only. They don't get Sometimes they get to keep their costume. Sometimes they don't. And then at the end, they, they do a party for them and thank you. Goodbye. But. For me, it's a responsibility of, of it, it, the responsibility as a designer that I have for many things, the responsibility of creating a space for a story to develop itself. That's beautiful. Of creating a prop to create images that will last forever. You know, the 5,000 hats that light up on cue. That is, 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 is an honor to do. Of dressing a volunteer and changing their lives you know how many people have written letters and notes and leave me uh, written, handwritten notes in, uh, in, in video chats and all of a sudden I had to close Facebook because I was, I was, it was crazy. And, and a lot of volunteers would follow me and say, where are you going to go next and stuff? But for them to say to you, You've changed my life because for the first time in my life, I felt like a princess going out uh, on stage. And for me, that's the most important bit is the working with the volunteers is encouraging for them to come every day and work with us as well. In, in, when we do costumes and props there, we also have volunteers that are literally spending hours and hours there just doing beadwork for those details that Carlos can see but no nobody can see on tv but they're doing something for 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 the collective and and at the end of course it, we give something back you're creating new ceremonies brats and you're creating new professionals and for me that's the best part of my job i found the job that i wanted to do 
and I don't work. I, I don't feel like it's work. For me right now in this period of time that we're living in, not having work is a lot of work because I'm worrying about not doing what I want to do of, should I cheat? This is crazy Carlos speaking again. It's like, should I be a barista? Maybe I should go to barista school because coffee should, people's, people are going to have a drink. People are still need to buy coffee. So maybe I'm a barista. Well, or, what's or, my side hustle or maybe now? I, I should go. That, that's it. It's like, what am I going to do? Should I open a coffee shop? Maybe a coffee shop. And if I do a coffee shop, mm. it has to be a Mexican coffee shop. And maybe it's going to be pink. And, you know, <laughs> that's, the, it, that's where my brain is going. So it's a lot of work. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm getting really upset about not working because I really, I really, I love creating and I love uh, uh, working with my seamstresses and working with my props guys and working with the team, the families that we create, the chosen families in this business, you know, your, your rigor, the rigor that you love, that he, you know that he's behind you and you can say, hey, is this costume going to work? Because I put the, you know, I put the rigging in, uh, on the side. Oh, no, that's not going to work. You know, though I, mm. I miss that. And for me, not working is, is a lot of work. If I could, but working on my creative side, mm. it's not work at all. I love it. You're in your zone. If you were uh, wanting to change anything about the industry, what would it be? The anxiety. So many of us sort of, and, and that comes with social media, that so many of us in the creative, especially designers, I'm, uh, I know that stage managers rule themselves by, the, there's a code of <laughs> stage manager and they are. They're all fantastic people and beautiful people and they'll know each other. Uh, but designers, we live, in, we live in a constant fear of, are they going to call me for the next job? And I guess, I guess it happens to everybody in every kind of job. But for me, uh, it's the anxiety of knowing, oh, they didn't call me for that show, but they called somebody else. And social media doesn't make it any easier. I literally blocked all my, I, I canceled all my social media, uh, Facebook and whatnot, because I was realizing that there was a lot of people are going to London 2012 and I didn't get invited to the big party, you know, and, and a lot of people are in another show and, Oh, somebody's opening. What? Those people are going to La Pearl in with Franco over there. Why didn't I go? You know, in, and it's that anxiety that I think, especially in live events and it's, it kills you right now. It, it, even right now with everything that has happened uh, and a lot of people out of work, it's everybody's anxious because now everybody says, well, now there's going to be designers out of work in Montreal where I live because, of course, Cirque of what happened to Cirque du Soleil. So there's thousands of designers out there. So it's, it's the anxiety of the industry that I would like to change. That's one. And the second is how much we waste in in I, I I can't say that I'm hundred percent green. I, I can't, you know, when you're doing five thousand headpieces with LEDs that strap on and the amount of waste that we create, um, I'm uh, sustainability. I'm I'm saying, uh, hey, I don't do it a hundred percent. I try as much as I can. I mean, I'm a little guy trying to, you know, work with materials that don't pollute, and then all of a sudden. Uh, the budget doesn't reflect it, and the producers say, "Well, we can't use the 
recycled plastic. Let's just use the regular plastic because there's a difference of thousands of dollars. And you're like, oh, great. But I tried. As a designer, I tried. I, I hope that we go that way a little bit more and we're a little bit more humble with, with the planet. In these ceremonies, again, in these big shows, and it's like, where are we really putting our money? I don't have a problem with creating these big shows, of creating Olympic games, of getting the backlash from people that usually tell me, hey, did you know that your show is, is $250 million? And that could have been uh, pumped into the, the, the economy and, and solve the problem of homelessness in, in, in China. I'm like, yes, you're absolutely right. But this money has been earmarked for years. And it's something that it's not only going to bring money, but it's also going to bring, if we can make people forget their reality for at least an hour or 75 minutes, that's those $250 million are worth it because people will just go in there, forget about their real life, and they're amazed, inspired, happy, and they absorb that. And then when they come out, they'll probably give that back somehow. You know, they'll, they'll smile to somebody and that somebody is going to smile that domino effect. So it's, it's that. It's the anxiety and also let's be a little bit more conscious of what, how are we doing things? How are we designing? Uh, in, in, the, in the workshop as well, we're, we're taking away polystyrene, even though it's easy, it's beautiful. It, I can do beautiful things with polystyrene. And, but my, my heart tells me, don't do it. Don't do it because it's, it's, it's bad. It's that or resins and fiberglass. I mean, fiberglass is my my best friend. It was my best friend when I was growing up and doing all these beautiful hats and helmets. But now it's toxic, and you're killing trees, and you're killing people. It, 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 let's think a little bit more of what we're doing, how we're doing it, and why we're doing it. That for me is the most important. That's a great answer, and I totally agree with you. Especially because I see a lot of polystyrene <laughs> wash up on the beaches here in Hong Kong. So. <laughs> I bet. And seriously, I, that's right now, that's, that's my biggest concern is I use, I use a lot of polystyrene for, for a lot of props and in a lot of packaging, uh, how I'm sending props and, and costumes to different parts of the world. And it breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. And they close the crate in the container and I go, oh. everything I try to do with those costumes of recycling fabrics and recycling plastics and stuff, it all goes to hell when I ship it. And all of a sudden, I'm shipping a container across the world uh, for a show that is over there, but it was cheaper to build here. But it's a never-ending story. That causes anxiety as well. Oh, and you know what? One more thing. I would, I would, I would add one more thing. Uh, the sense of co collaboration. We don't collaborate anymore. It's what's easiest. Oh, okay. So have that company do the whole thing. Perfect. We don't collaborate anymore. We used to collaborate in different creative studios. And even uh, at Cirque, they used to collaborate a little bit more with, with other artists and other creators and, and bring more people in. And, and you don't only need the, the rigor that at the same time is a flying captain, that at the same time is, the, is the, the producer for all things aerial. And because you can only afford one person. Before it was, let's bring the coach that will also bring a rigor, that will also bring... And that was that would create more, more more fantastic things and now it's who's easier who's cheap who's cheaper who's faster who is not going to ask you for any royalties because that's another big big big, big issue 
Uh, and I don't say royalties just for designers. I say royalties for everybody that was part of the creation, uh, stage management involved as well, uh, because they are the ones that created it. But let's collaborate a little bit more, talk to other companies, talk to other artists a, a little bit more. Before, there were many companies that did what we do. Now there's two or three. And they keep getting all the same. They keep getting all, I mean, and I love them, but they keep getting all the same shows and all the shows are exactly the same and they're using the exact same people and there's a lot of other people like like uh young like young people that are coming out of schools that are not getting the jobs that because we are keeping them all you know we don't want anybody that will take our job later on so we don't give them the opportunities i received a lot of emails every other week somebody saying hey can i be your assistant hey do you i'm like absolutely what can you do? How can you do it? And let's see how, if we can make it work. If not, you're welcome to come and work for us a week. And how can we help? We need to help people uh, right now. It, it's really, really important. And hopefully we can, post-COVID, like we can navigate out of this period in a different way. You know, I think this is, you see this as an opportunity to realign some of the practices that don't necessarily work so well. But human beings, we're useless because we, as my mom always <laughs> says, useless. we, yeah, we, we forget. do. We forget. We forget. We forget. And right now we're all for it. But in another week, we, we get really involved in another project and we forget. With my team right now, we I, I, I created a SOS, COVID SOS creative group on WhatsApp, you know, and and we're trying to meet every Wednesday and every Thursday and get a Zoom call and figure out what can we do let's let's create new shows let's well, uh, what are we going to do yeah that works the first the second the third week the fourth week we're like oh sorry i can't make it tonight and we forget why we were there we were there to support each other but now it now it's a oh, okay now i have to meet on thursday from seven to nine um what a drive <laughs> but at the same time uh, we knew we were going to change the world and Oh, okay. So that was that was three weeks ago when COVID was really bad and I needed an outlet. So now that I'm okay because now I have a job, I forgot that I needed to save the world. That's not on. And that's why we forget. And and my mom says, Yep, we always forget. And we're really, really, really stupid people because we don't fo- we don't follow up. We don't follow up and we forget what we're going through all the time. And we keep making the exact same mistakes. I'm there as well. I keep doing the exact, oh, next, next, next year, I'm really going to work at this and this and this. And I forget completely the end of the year happens and you're like, oh, New Year's resolution. I'm going to do that. I'm going to add more uh, interns into the company because we really need them. And we, it, it's, let's, let's give other people some, some work and we don't do it and we forget. And yeah. Can you share with us your website so people can go and see the beautiful designs you've created? You see, that's another thing that I forget. I forget to upload a lot of <laughs> stuff. But yes, I will give it. There's a lot of stuff that I also I don't put up because of NDAs and all that stuff. But uh, it's uh, cnproductiondesign.com. That's a C for Carlos, N for Navarrete, P for Patino Production Design, cnproductiondesign.com. I apologize for just throwing a lot of pictures in there uh but sometimes you just there's no there now there now i have time so i promise i will put it all in order before it's another of those things that you forget the details of and you just throw throw stuff to a web page and 
hope it lives there forever. Uh, you can you can feel the energy. I'm looking at it now. You can feel the energy of the sign. It's nice. You can, you can, and you'll see the colors and you see the patterns that Anna was talking about and and you see the creatures and the love that and the respect that I have for the artistry of, of Mexicans as well. I, I try to do a lot of the work uh, in Latin America if I can, just because it, it, it nurtures my heart. The rest is, I mean, Invictus Games, the ceremonies everywhere else. I'm just a facilitator. Uh, I cannot just come in and design and be, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the designer of the Asian games and I know how to design the placard bearers for the Asian games. <laughs> no, brother, you don't know. You need somebody locally that will actually understand. Like if somebody was coming to Mexico and doing a show, that's the kind of guy. You, you are the kind of guy that they would need. That's exactly it. Take your ego out. Give it to a local person. Elevate them create new professionals. Let's create new professionals all the time. That's what we're here for. Let's create new professionals and pass it forward. And that's why when you guys invited me to ramble, I said, yeah, maybe, maybe this will help a little kid that is trying not to be Mexican somewhere out there in the world and realizing, ah, uh, uh, what should I do with my life? I should study theater, but maybe not. And I'll do video and it, yeah. So, <laughs> Follow your dreams. Yes, that's it. Carlos, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful to get to know you and hear about your work and life. It's, it's really, truly inspiring. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast and let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world. <laughs>